catch up on all the live shows right here on africatechradio.com. On 15th of September every year, the world reviews the state of democracy and discusses how to uphold and promote its principles. I carefully selected the guest on this episode so that it aligns with the theme which is empowering the next generation. In this episode, Sub-Saharan Africa's first female professor of mass communication, Chinyo Estela Okona, who has served in government and interacted with young people for the major part of her life, speaks about the challenges democracy faces, its possibilities, and how we can empower children and youths to help resolve the flawed democratic principles and processes in Nigeria and in Africa. Having served as commissioner, chair of the Committee on Good Governance, and with over two decades interacting with youths in Nigeria's university system, she best fits this conversation. So, Prof, first off, I would want to, I want to know what your idea of uh, democracy is and what um, you think democracy should be in our climes, using Nigeria as an example. The world over has a basic, basic definition of democracy, which every common community can hardly know. It's a democracy of the people, for the people, by the people. That's basic. But usually I like to explain it as the kind of government, yeah, for the people. But because all the people cannot govern, they elect a few members of their society to govern on their behalf. And that is why elections are very, very fundamental in democracy. We cannot all get the government of the people, by the people. But there's no way everybody can govern. It is us, the people, who then elect or select by election those to govern us on our behalf. So each time democracy doesn't get elections right, that thing happening there is not democracy. That's my view on it, and I think it's a general view. Hmm. Over the past few years, we've had a wave of, you know, military intervention or coups, especially the most recent ones that have happened in 2023. What are your thoughts about, um, you know, the trends or the things shaping democracies in Africa? Africa is still grappling with the idea of democracy. They haven't got it right yet most countries in Africa. And because governance is going so badly in many African countries, coups are happening. I don't believe in coups. When a country opts for democracy, that country should do its best, do everything possible to make sure democracy is entrenched and that democracy thrives. But quite often, all the efforts being made by African countries to entrench democracy, such efforts have not worked. And because of the kind of bad governance that is going on in many of these countries, the people sometimes revolt against, against those who are claiming to be democratic. Because those in power, those in governance, have not given the dividends of democracy that should gladden the people's hearts. So when coups happen, quite often, they are a revolution against the lack of democracy 
that people expect. And more and more is happening among young people. This disenchantment, this disillusionment, this anger against non-democratic forces who are in governance and who are pretending to be democracy people. People see through their pretenses and rise up against that kind of pretense. It's unfortunate. So many African countries are beginning to see that it's unfortunate that people are really, we are regressing. I was thinking, like, at, at, at the stage we are now, that democracy should be thriving, but unfortunately, it's not the case. That's why coups are happening all over Africa. Mm. So there's there's been this, you know, people would give examples of places like China and, you know, some other countries where, you know, they do not exactly practice democracy and or in principle. And, you know, they would say, oh, should we instead look forward to development since it doesn't look like democracy is really working out for us as Africans? Um, do you support this line of thought or, you know, how do you think we should... You know, marry development and democratic principles and processes? I don't believe in autocracy or dictatorship because uh, they don't reflect the will of the people or what them. I believe in democracy. But then the ultimate aim of every government or every people is to have good quality of life. And it's generally believed by those who believe in democracy like the best way to supply this quality of life, to develop, to make life worth living for people is through democracy. So if that belief is not being justified, if the so-called democracy is not giving good quality of life, people will say, let me have development. Let me have good quality of life. Give me through any means of governance. So if the so-called democracy is not working for them, we people need good quality of life who need to survive escape from poverty have good infrastructure do things that will make life worth living and they say many people are beginning to say that if autocratic government if the absence of democracy will give us this instead of us to die wretched death under democracy let us have any kind of government once our life becomes meaningful. I don't suppose that. But more and more, people are beginning to feel that way. So they say China is not democratic. And quality of life in China is good. And development is seen in China. Why shouldn't we opt for whatever is happening in China instead of opting for democracy? We are worse off, much, much worse off than China who are not democratic. is a, a vicious circle and is like I keep saying, it's so unfortunate. So what role should the younger people, because you just mentioned that a lot of young people, and we all see it, a lot of young people seem to be disenchanted. What role do young people have to play? Um, and how do we communicate you know, the importance of young people in ensuring that we entrench democracy and democratic principles as it should be to ensure that it gives the benefits it's supposed to give. It is all about the youth, so to say, because it is their future. For those that, really for me, age is not fun, it's not really the overriding factor. 
because if there are people who are older elected into government and they go there and they're doing well and taking care of everybody and ensuring a bright future for the youth it doesn't mean that the 25 year old must be a president the president even if an older person and is governing well and taking care of the future of the youth democracy is thriving after how old is biden i'm not saying every country must have a 78 or 80 year old president but if the kids in the country is thriving under an older person who is in there and recruits both young and old people into government and they're governing well and development is happening and everything is going well it's about the future of the youth so the youth should be in the vanguard of it and dethroning good leaders or bad leaders the youth should be in the well, center stage of determining what happens to their current and their uh, uh, current life and future life so for me really many of those who are not governing well are no longer young they are not useful so they can they, should, they don't have the right to jeopardize and compromise the future of the youth so you ask me what is the role of the youth their role should be right at the center of enthroning good governance and it's so so sad that even when the youth recognize that governance is not going well and the youth determine to make sure things are going well that determination is not actualized that's why the, the tragedy is take nigeria for instance nigerian youth beginning with NSAs and things like that have realized that it's not going well and it's not going in their favor and it's not going to enthrone a bright future for them and with one accord they rose with a strong voice to condemn bad governance and they didn't just condemn and sit back they condemned and trooped out on mass to elect or to select leaders they thought would do well through elections that they were promised um, free and fair and well organized if you ask me my personal opinion i don't know what others think but my personal opinion is that the 2023 elections did not go well it didn't go according to the expectations of the youth whose future democracy should be safeguarding and that's unfortunate like i keep saying mm. prof do you think that over the years maybe there has been some form of miscommunication in terms of how democratic principles and you know goals have been communicated to us either in our schools our churches our houses and even if maybe we are also entrenching democratic principles and processes outside of the political realm they should we communicate democracy in a different way to children and young people democracy democracy but communication could change yeah i agree with you to some extent because the young people have their own peculiarities about communication development communication is also called emancipation communication and if anybody requires emancipation in nigeria today it is a youth so we must have a brand of development communication a brand of emancipation communication a brand of social change communication to reach them 
through appropriate channels. Effective development communication is communicating relevant messages to the target audience using relevant, the best, the most adequate, the most appropriate, and all over the world. Yes, the, 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 the youth are still communicating through the traditional mass media. They listen to radio, they listen to television, they watch television, they read books, they read newspapers and magazines, whether online or hard copy. But the social media and and the, the, the youths are more in touch with that kind of uh, medium. But then, the lack of democracy in Nigeria, like what happened in the election, wasn't as a result of poor communication. The social media were massively deployed by all political parties. And the youth were reached passively through all manner of media, traditional and new media. So in reality, I don't think it was a matter of communication. And the, 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 the principles and tenets of democracy have not changed. There are still the same basic principles, the same desires for good quality of life. So it wasn't communication that is leading or that has led to the lack of democracy. The use understood. We understood when billions of naira were spent on a enthroning the beavers or beamers or beaver, yes, beavers. They understood when they were told that this is the best way to go. They understood when they said they would uh, um, upload uh, results from uh, polling units. They understood. They were reached. They were communicated with. And they had the message loud and clear. They were mobilized through appropriate channels. And they all took out and they voted. Don't let anybody deceive you. The Nigerian youth voted massively in their various local governments, in their various communities, at their various polling units. So they were communicating with effectively. Whoever communicated with them chose the right channels. New media, social media, all manner of media. And they had them loud and clear. Mm. Now there is a very important link between democracy and press freedom. How do you think we fared in this area, in the area of press freedom um, in the country? Comparatively, Nigerian, the Nigerian press has, has done well. Comparatively well, in spite of the challenges, and there are challenges, it's a very dangerous profession. The press, those who are committed, the committed journalists and media practitioners, media professionals are doing have, have done well relatively. But there are still too many lap dogs. You know what a black dog is? Usually we are told that the press is the oxygen of democracy. And like oxygen, if you remove the press in a democracy, democracy dies. Because it is the press that should package the quantity and quality of information required to make democracy work. No other institution can do that. No other group of people has the capacity to gather effectively to package professionally the quality and quantity of information. So a free press is important. Sometimes I don't see the I don't see the press being free to the extent in Nigeria where they can thrive. Look at this freedom of information bill that was passed. Is it working? Can a journalist walk into any government establishment and ask for relevant information on democracy and get it? 
with freedom. Look at the press council in Nigeria. Has it worked? Look at the way many journalists are behaving. Look at government-owned media. What freedom do they have? What voice do they have? And like I said earlier, there are still too many lapdogs. The press should be the watchdog. And a watchdog is between two extremes. One extreme is the attack dog, which attacks everything government does. That is wrong. If, if the government does well democratically, you commend, you appreciate as a journalist. If he doesn't do well as a, a watchdog, you back or even bite. The other extreme is a lapdog. The, 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 the a professional journalist who doesn't see anything bad in what the government does. That kind of journalist is lying or sitting squarely on the government's lap, being fed government bit, and its mouth is shut, doesn't see anything. That kind of dog. That is the other extreme. Our position as press people must be somewhere in between those two extremes. We must watch, we must comment when things are going well, we must back, we must even buy. And many Nigerian journalists are not doing that. If you, yeah, we need to encourage people to work harder to make sure the press remains the oxygen of democracy. If it is not that, democracy will die. So, mm. press freedom. Relatively, I will call them more well, like mark, but we still need to raise our voices as a press. We are not raising our voices strongly enough to uphold democracy, and a number of things are going wrong with democracy. The press is not identifying those things well enough and crying out or fighting them strongly enough. Mm. So, in the world where we have emerging technologies, new media platforms, and the wave of misinformation and disinformation. How would you advise we approach regulation? Um, should we have, you know, outright bans like we used to have of, you know, things like uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or should we go more towards the education of the persons who are on these platforms to ensure that you know, everyone's rights, you know, are protected. <laughs> you know, media literacy, you know, media literacy, that's a, that's a basic thing for a media democratic society. Mm. People in a democracy must become media literate to understand what the media should be doing. So you know that media content is always reality. Sometimes they say the medium is making, sometimes they uh, remember. People who say, people talk, there are people who think the media should have powerful effects. Many people think whatever you see on the media is correct. It is not mm. true. Like you said, there's so much fake news. There's so, there's so much hate speech. There's mo so much vested interest in media content. Mm. So for every single journalist, for every single member of society, the fundamental rule is fact-checking, fact-checking, fact-checking. In journalism, if you see anything, fact check. Don't simply accept accept everything because there's too much vested interest. When you see something that looks too good to be true, don't just accept it. Fact check. Look at other platforms. If you see it on Twitter, check out where it is on Facebook. Check out where it is on Instagram. Check out you can corroborate that. Corroborate that. Another platform. Don't accept 
accept and swallow everything. How do they say? Hook, line, and sinker. Mm. So the, the, the modern technology, it's good, but then there's danger. And even more imagine ones are coming up, like the AI, artificial intelligence. It will get worse. So as a media consumer, don't accept everything. And if you're a journalist, before you post anything on the social media, even before you publish anything, fact check. Because in social media, we call them the gateless media. Unlike traditional media of radio or television or newspaper or magazine, where there are gatekeepers. Information goes through various gatekeepers before it, the information finally arrives, but is read as news by a presenter or is published as news by a newspaper editor. It has gone to the state. The, mass me- the, the social media are gateless. Anybody, the, what they call citizen journalism, is a very dangerous thing. Anybody with their smartphone or whatever, or, 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 or whatever can just take everything and without fact-checking, without any education, without any gatekeeping, the next second is online. So why would, why would you accept that kind of information from a gateless medium, like the social media, and swallow it like that without fact-checking? So what we teach nowadays is for journalists to make sure know the gatelessness of the social media. So whatever you see in social media, breaking news, they break the news so fast. Don't simply run with the news. Make sure you investigate. Make sure you may not be the first with the news. It will take you one or two uh, additional uh, 30 minutes, 10 minutes extra. But when your own news does come out, people will begin to have trust. If they see anything, they will go to your own platform, your own medium, online across check because they trust what you're doing. So in conclusion, the social media are good. They are vast. They are, they, are, they are speedy. They are enormous in their influence. But because of so much vested interest, there's so much misinformation, so much deliberate disinformation, so much vested interest, so much hate speech, that everybody who consumes social media content must learn to fact check and be media literate so you don't, well, kill society with what you have consumed with children is there a way to inculcate you know democratic processes yes with what is going on in nigeria now honestly democracy or politics or, 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 or politics or whatever you name it anything or physics should be at all levels of education you can begin to or in churches but then many parents are biased themselves many parents have uh, biases they are bound to communicate these biases to their children. Mm-hmm. So a neutral body like the educational system must take up education of young people. It is cool. Compose rhymes and rhymes. Take the children to memorize the telephone. From that to primary school. From that to every inch of the way teach the Nigerian child what they need. And even in tertiary institutions, there are you may say, oh, those who are studying political science will know it. What are those who are, 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 are studying uh, physics or, or chemistry or medicine? Through the GS, this program, every tertiary institution in Nigeria should incorporate democratic principles as a GS program. People are doing that already. But they, I think it should even become composed by the NUSD. 
instead of at the time a child going through the educational system from the basic ones to the tertiary level if he or she gets there nobody will be talking to him about what democracy means he graduates even from primary school knowing what democracy is and expecting that of his leaders is is become even more crucial now to do that in Nigeria. We, we, we could have relaxed saying, okay, they will learn, they will see, but with what we are, we are witnessing now about our own democracy, and democracy is from other countries of the world, the child, the African child, the Nigerian child, even the child all over the world, to have formal tutoring, formal teaching on democracy, and, and if you teach the child right, when whenever he or she sees non-democratic principles, they have the courage to point them out to whoever is not practicing that kind of uh, non-democratic process. Mm -hmm. Okay. As we celebrate and mark International Day of Democracy, um, how do you wish to, you know, like address everybody or speak to everybody or speak to somebody out there, you know, that's um, listening? I will be brutal in saying what I want to say. How old is Nigeria now? We became independent in 1960. How old is that? That's more than, that's more than 60 years old. If you classify a 60-year-old person as a young person, you'll be, you'll be mistaken. So I think it's a shame the country like Nigeria, the so-called giant of Africa, the so-called um, bastion um, development in Africa is still lagging behind. Development should not just be the economy rising. Democracy should be, uh, that is... Development should be both social, political, economic, and whatever other areas of the of uh, development. And if Nigeria doesn't get democracy right, there's no way it can ever be classified as a developed country. I think it's a shame. We've given it enough trial since 1960. Even our founding fathers did better. We're retrogressing. Life was much, much better when our founding fathers began to practice democracy. And everybody now who is pretending to be a, 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 a democrat in Nigeria and, and is not practicing democracy with democratic principles, she will be thoroughly, thoroughly ashamed of himself or herself. Yes, I've seen democracy in action as a person growing up in Nigeria. As a young person, yes, I saw democratic principles as an older person in government for eight years. So it's doable. When people tell you, oh, it's difficult, I know it's difficult to be democratic. But then, it is not impossible to be democratic. If you're less selfish, if you're less greedy, if you're more considerate, if you're more grassroots oriented, if you love your people, democracy is doable. And our leaders must find the courage to do it. Thanks for listening and don't forget to catch up on all the live shows right here on africatechradio.com.